want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. Times baseball start this afternoon, Matt. Like an hour from now. Yeah, three twenty-seven. Okay. You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. All right, just checking. Yeah, appreciate it. I didn't it. know if you were having like FOMO from last year at this time or not. Dude, Tennessee's you, good. You Braves fan? Tennessee's good at football. Baseball is dead to me. Okay. All right. Just checking. I didn't. I, so, so does that mean? When you say it's dead to you, are you even going to watch any baseball? Tonight I will, but tomorrow night, uh, what's that? Oh, the NFL's on. Yeah. Ask me how much baseball I watched last night. How much How much Ninja Turtles did you play last no, night? No, I didn't play any Ninja Turtles last night, but ask me how much baseball I watched last night. How much baseball did you watch last night? I woke up to a text message from Colby that says, did you see Bill Walton? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's how much baseball I was paying attention to last night. I was watching uh, the Lakers and Golden State. Now I that I did. Look, yeah. Listen, anytime that the greatest show in television debuts, and that is inside the NBA, oh, like, yeah. they had my attention. Yeah. Plus, I was waiting to see if Draymond was going to punch anyone during the ring ceremony. All right, it's two thirty-four. We'll take a time. We're not going to take a timeout. We're going to hit up the Oklahoma <laughs> Ford Euros hotline. We just got back from break for crying out loud. What am I doing? Uh, Harold Koontz joins us now from up in uh, Kansas City. Talk a little Chiefs football and some Big Twelve. What's going on, Harold? How are you, buddy? You know, Pop Arsenal's first place. Ah, gosh. The Phillies are in the national championship series. Things could have possibly be going better. I was going to say, life is good, buddy. Life is good, right. es- es- especially in the, the Arsenal front. type of days every day, my friend. Just, <laughs> I can't believe I don't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, hey, man, I never did get to tell you as well. I should have sent you a message, but congratulations on the uh, on the Big 12 gig. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy for oh, you really? to expand a little bit more and – Kind of get back around the uh, the college game. How much fun has that been for you? Well, it's been work. Um, you know, <laughs> at the beginning, at the beginning, it was weird because I was like, "What in the heck am I doing watching TCU face Abilene Christian?" I'm like, "Oh, that's right, get paid for it. All right, that's fine." Ah, okay. <laughs> um, or Tarleton State, Tarleton State. I got yeah. all my small Texas schools mixed up, but uh, no, I mean, it, now that we're getting really into like, you know conference games and there's sort of a you know stacking if you will of big 12 teams it, it's it's a lot better to get through and i mean that oklahoma state tcu game was fantastic uh, i mean it wasn't for people in your viewing audience but our listening audience but uh, it was a fantastic game to watch and then uh you know now we got another one k-state and tcu here it's like they have a big 12 game of the week every week and every week it seems to feature tcu and max duggan is uh, leads the number three scoring offense in the nation. He's fourteenth, uh, I think, in pass efficiency. Um, efficient eighth, eighth in the nation in passing efficiency. The team's fourteenth overall in passing offense, and now they're facing a team that's coincidentally fourteenth in scoring defense in K State. So they've got probably the best defensive line in the Big Twelve. So I mean, I'm I'm really fascinated by that match, as I am all of them. So I mean, it's a good conference this year. I mean. 
Yeah, I know Oklahoma's down. Um, I know Oklahoma State lost last week. But overall, I mean, one, the emergence of Kansas made it an immediately better competitive conference. And you can't overlook anybody. You can't even overlook Texas Tech. I mean, Iowa State has lost four games by a grand total of 14 points. Yeah. So, <laughs> Crazy, and, and, right? And two, of those, and two of those two of those are not pushovers. They beat Kansas. I mean, they, they, they get a field goal, they beat Kansas State. Um, they get a couple – they don't throw an interception in, in the end zone. They probably beat Texas, and we're looking at them two and two, and Matt Campbell's name is going to be all over Nebraska's list now. So it's it's a very interesting year. Um, I, I think it's going to be more interesting as the four teams come in in Oklahoma, Texas, according to Brett Yormark, have to stick around for probably a couple of years, which I think is smart. Um, it's a lot of money. $80 million is nothing to choke at. And I, I think, you know, it's not going to hurt them sticking around. If anything, if you're Oklahoma, it gives Brent Venables more time to really build that thing up the way he wants it to be so then you get into SEC play because, um, you know, no, I mean, the Big 12 is competitive, but, I mean, it's a little different when you have to face Mississippi, Alabama back-to-back than it is TCU, Oklahoma State back-to-back, to be honest. Hey, I was going to ask you, I with the, the game day scenario at Kansas, what has it done within just your local market in Kansas City to see this resurgence of Kansas football? Well, it was the perfect resurgence in the sense that there was three straight home games. I mean, it started with Duke, and they won that game fairly handily, and they got a sold-out crowd there, and then Iowa State was another sold-out crowd. And then there was belief because then they think, okay, the gods are on our side, if you will, because Iowa State's kicker missed three kill goals that were pretty makeable kicks. And then the TCU game, I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, college game day was there. Um, you know, they've been there for basketball, I, I believe, 10 times before uh, football got there. But, I mean, it was fantastic. The hill was filled, and, you know, Lance Leipold's vision really came together earlier than anybody would have expected. And now it's kind of funny seeing them 5-3 and three or 5-2 and two right now, and everybody's, like, complaining. It's like, you shouldn't complain because – this time of year, you'd be two and five or one and six. So it's, it's, it's really turned around the projector of that program. I think donors are starting to come in. They've already made a stadium announcement um, soon to kind of remodel that thing. Cause I mean, you've been at KU stadium. It looks the same way it did mm-hmm. when we were born. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot of resurgence there from a money perspective. And now like they're, they're in a chance to really compete with, keeping Leipold there because, you know, obviously there's going to be suitors. Nebraska and Wisconsin are probably one, two or two, one on the list. And, but they're, they're saying, Hey, we've got the money to keep up and we've got the facilities coming. And I think that was the main thing. You got to have a different stadium there. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kansas is, is, it's nice to have a competent football program to actually worry yourself about going to Saturday. And I mean, it's a little bit easier for us from a coverage standpoint, because you know, you do the Friday high school football, then Saturday it's like, Oh, we can't skip Kansas now. And then, <laughs> and then now, um, of course, the Chiefs on Sunday. Harold Kuntz is our guest here from Fox 4 up in KC on the Blitz 1170. Uh, let's shift to the Chiefs uh, after their loss to the Bills. So I was trying to think of a way that you phrase a question like this because I, I get it in the consistent lack of a significant running game for the Chiefs, right? And I think just with the way they're built in general, Harold, from the wide receiver depth, we'll get to more on Sky Moore coming up in a bit, uh, 70-30, basically like pass ratio and maybe even a little bit uh, sometimes smaller than that. 
Uh, they didn't really do anything to address the running back position as well in the offseason. Uh, but is that going to continue to hamper them, especially in the more elite-level games like you see against Buffalo? Well, people forget they did address the running back situation. They brought in Ronald Jones, who's been on the inactive list every game this season. Yeah, that's right. You forget and about that. You think they're... I think they're just kind of putting him in a cryogenic chamber right now and waiting to unfurl him around week 13 and be like, hey, here's our new pick back, ready to go, rest and ready. But, um, no, I mean, Jared's had a couple good runs, Clyde's had a couple good runs, Isaiah Pacheco's had a good runs, but none of them have had a consistent game put together. That's the quickest way to put it. And Andy's even admitted earlier today during his availability, he's got to find a way to, you know, get those guys going. He, he, he even admitted that they didn't put Pacheco in enough um, he's a hard runner, but that's what he is. He's a hard runner. He's still, you know, kind of figuring out the whole technique of the offensive line and how to get burst through the holes that are open, how to cut back. And, uh, Jarek does it, but he only does it sporadically. And they just don't have the consistency that they want there. Um, cause it, they're, they're capable of doing it. I mean, there's like, they have flashes like Clyde will have a good game against the Colts and he kind of disappears and has nothing going against uh, the, bu- the, bu- the, 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 the bucks or something like that. Or, They'll have Jarrett come out and have a great couple runs, um, you know, in the game before Buffalo. And then next thing you know, he disappears for a little bit. Now, credit the Buffalo's defense. I mean, that's the number one defense in the league for a reason. So they did their job, too. Yes. And I think Vaughn Miller versus Orlando Brown, which is a key matchup to watch. You can argue that Orlando as many times as he won. Vaughn Miller won when it was needed the most, which is the last drive in plays where they really needed to stop. So... And they got good tackles, too. So it, it's just I – mean, it's a matchup of two good teams. I mean, you can watch that game. You're like, all right, those are probably the two best teams in the AFC. But the Chiefs' takeaway from the run game to answer your question is, like, they need to use it more. They just don't know when they need to use it because they don't know that Buffalo did such a good job of being very, very multiple in their defensive fronts. And Leslie Frazier was, had such a different type of variety. Um, but it's good to learn from, you know, it's good tape to learn from because, you know, Buffalo's probably throwing in a little more than they could have because, you know, they wanted to win that game. And the Chiefs probably are saving some bullets for later in the year when they probably inevitably play each other again. Yeah, it's just hard to get in a rhythm, right? Especially when you're trying to do it yeah. by committee. Um, and listen, this doesn't mean that I'm saying you take the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Uh, I just... You know, it's it's almost like you're looking for because of how dynamic that Mahomes is. Sometimes, Harold, I think we do this with a lot of things. We look for things, right, that are that are problems to try to explain. When I thought you did a pretty good job of explaining, this just might be the two best teams, not only AFC, but as a as a fan of a team in the NFC, I'm like, can the NFC just borrow one of these two teams? Why do we they even need a Super Bowl representative when you've got these two teams that are going on? I just it's one of those that maybe you're just trying to search a little bit for for something uh negative from a loss against a really good team that is your equal. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It, they they are equals and I mean both teams admitted Afterwards, like, yeah, I think we're going to see them again. The, the first thing that safety Justin Reed said when we were in the locker room was like, we'll see them again. Like, we already know. Darius Harris, the linebacker, he said that. I mean, th- there's a lot of guys that are like, we got a lot. The good thing about facing a team like that is you learn more about your team. And I think they learned a good bit about their team. They, could, they, they learned that, hey, some of our receivers can gain some separation. Some of them are still fighting to get there. 
um, they learned that, you know, look, we can blitz well, we can pressure the quarterback, and we're probably going to – our secondary probably not may not be up to just doing one-on-one just yet. So – um, and, and commit, let, commit, commend Leslie Frazier, the defensive staff, Sean McDermott, their defensive staff. They, they had a good game plan. I mean, the right now, the NFL defense right now is we're just going to throw a variety of looks and we're going to see what works and we're going to stick with it or we're going to go back to something different just to keep you confused, keep you on your toes. Because now we're starting to figure out, like, look, Patrick Mahomes has every possible defense you can throw at him. It's really just a matter of what type of curveball do you throw at them? And, and how do you time that curveball perfectly? And they timed their curveballs well. I mean, that's just really – give them credit. You know, they, 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 it was like when they wanted to go rush three and keep eight and eight and eight, eight in, the, in the secondary, basically, eight in coverage, they timed it perfectly. You know, because they knew they didn't have a run to counter it. And, you know, like as much as you can kill, kill, kill at the line of scrimmage and call an audible, they've got multiple fronts and they've got different ways of disguising their defenses. I mean – Defensive coordinators now have been like, why life scores are lower now? Because they finally just gave up on just trying to stick with something. Now they're just like, you know what? We're going to keep throwing crap at you. Yeah. So like, we're going to give you an orange flavor. Then we're going to give you a lemon flavor. And then we're going to give you strawberry flavor. And strawberry might work, but they ain't, we're going to pineapple next. Like, that's just, that's really how it works right now in the NFL because they just keep you confused. So you're seeing multiple looks, which is great. And you have a guy like Mahomes who can analyze it very well, but you just don't know when it's going to pop up. And that's the beauty of it. Two more for you, because uh, I mentioned Sky Moore. Uh, this is a young yeah. man that's that's starting to get more snaps. Um, he's a guy that I know a lot of people were excited about uh, coming in this year, but it also shows you the quality that they have at the wide receiver position as well. Yeah, he's got what like six catches, or, or is it six or eleven, Harold? Something like that that he's got. It's it's relatively low, and people have asked yeah, the question like, yeah. like what's wrong? I dude, I don't. There's nothing wrong. He's learning how to play the game, and I think based off of the number of snaps that he's getting now, you're starting to see that they they have more trust and more faith in him. That will come with time for Sky Moore. A few weeks ago, he only had, I think the second game of the season, he had two snaps offensively. This week, he had 20, the past game against the Buffalo. There you go. But yeah, there's trust there. He had a couple catches in the last game before Buffalo. Um, all my weeks are running together, so I'm having a hard time remembering what the game was. But, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, the, the, the previous week, he had two catches a little bit later. He's getting he's getting more involved. Yeah, you're exactly right, Pop. He's getting more involved. There's more progression there. The playbook's coming together. He just hasn't been able to fully show the weaponry that they think he can possess when he got drafted. So he's getting there. He even admitted today, we actually talked to him today in the locker room, um, a couple of us. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's ready to go. I think he's, he, I think he realizes he's there. That's the main thing. He realizes he's there. Um, now it's just a matter of executing. Last one. Uh, was there any type of – was there frustration from – and I only read just some of it on social media. And again, that's my fault. Like, Twitter's not real life. But I did see some form of frustration, I guess, in in the, the game plan from Spagnuolo um, in the terms of blitzing against Josh Allen. I think Josh is handling it much better this year than what he has in the past. But was there any hangover from that, from how they decided to attack Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on with Twitter. I mean, like, if we start agreeing with Twitter, then we'd be in a bad place. Right? <laughs> uh, but, but in reality, what is Spag supposed to do? Exactly. Um, you, you, you've, got, you've got Joshua Williams, who, bless his heart, 
Division II, Fayetteville State, shout out HBCUs, but he's, 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 that's his first significant playing time all year. He was basically the fifth corner on the depth chart. Um, you've got the Caprio Boodle coming in at the end of the game. He was on the practice squad elevated two days before. You've got uh, uh, Rogerius Sneed on one side, but he can't do all of it. And you've got two safeties and one Thornhill and Justin Reed that are trying to cover up everything and try to go man-to-man with their safeties. They should be doing better in zone or soft-shell coverage than they are man. That's your situation. So you know Josh Allen was unaffected on the blitz. At one point, he was 0 for 7 when they blitzed, passing. So what's the Bills obviously do? It's like, all right, go find Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis, toss it to whoever's guarding them, and just hope that they're one-on-one wins. And they won. They won on Josh Williams twice. That, that's really how it works. I mean, there's no real way to explain it. It's just that's how it works sometimes. And, you know, Josh will learn from it. Um, again, you're throwing a guy in the fire that was playing his first real NFL game and said, hey, go cover Stephon. So, you know, I don't know about you, Pop, but it's like if I, if you were, if this is your first radio show you ever hosted and said, all right, I need you to go host 2 to 6 p.m. primetime radio in New York City, and you haven't really prepared a heck of a lot except for like two days, you're going to struggle, right? Yes. So, I mean, yeah. That's what happened. I mean, that's <laughs> that's simply what happened. You're gonna you know, you're gonna struggle. Maybe done some stuff, protected him, but he couldn't do much. You're gonna struggle if you've been doing it 20 years and you don't prepare uh, one day to the next in general. Uh, the the thing that I that, and we've talked about this in terms of um, the analytics side, like in fourth down, it's mainly been based off of what we've seen in college. But people have to learn that just because the two worst instances happen in the game because you are blitzing in that moment doesn't mean that it was a bad choice. Those other guys get paid to, and they get paid to to adjust. It's the same thing in in going for it in certain scenarios. You might not get it, but that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision, right? So there, no, there's, there's, a, there's a balance that's there that I think some people still have to come to terms with at times. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's the life of being a fan. It's the life of covering it. Like, trust me, I mean, you know, th- those questions will happen when Spagnuolo has his availability on Thursday with what was really one of the decisions of, like, hey, you're doing successful blitz, but you left your guys exposed. You know, should you help out? But then it was like, all right, well, let's look at this. Um, Singletary, who's running for the Bills, Devin Singletary, he was averaging nine yards a carry at one point. So what do you do? <laughs> you have to stop something, right? Yeah. You have to stop Wild times, my friend, wild times. Hey, good to hear from you. I'm glad that you guys were able to, to uh, hang on against Leeds. That was a whew, type uh, type feeling there for a little while for, for you second guys. Half, but second half was poorly played and poorly wrapped. <laughs> Wash, rinse, repeat in terms of officiating uh, in a variety of different sports. But, hey, dude, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for jumping on with us here in Tulsa. Always great to hear from you. All right, Bob. Take care, bud. All right. That is uh, Harold Koontz joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from Fox 4 up in Kansas City. You might know him from his days right upstairs here with the News on 6. All right, Matt. Don't forget the schedule this week. Tomorrow, Jinx hosts Southmore. It's the fall break game. 7 o'clock with the pregame right here on the Blitz. Saturday, it's Texas at Oklahoma State. 12.30, tailgate show. Then Sunday, it's the Seahawks and Chargers. 2.45 for the pregame on our Sunday NFL game. Apologies, that was the only one that was available uh, at that time. But, hey, hey, I say that. Dude, through all the injuries, the Chargers are 4-2. and two. 
The Seahawks are showing signs of life. There's worse games out there. I'm still not sold on Geno. I know it's in fashion right now to go, ah, ah. Looks like the Seahawks traded up in terms of Russ, which is open season on Russ. Have you noticed anyone that's played with him? has it, It's taken like one or two guys to come out in public and go, that dude's a fake and a phony. And now Michael Robinson is doing it now on his podcast. I mean, if you've played with Russ here in the last two weeks, you've come out to basically say what a phony ass that Russ Wilson is. Teammates didn't even have his telephone number. Like you had to go through his assistant and rep and reps to get his phone number to talk to him. And you're in the same locker room with him. I just traded Yeesh. him for two second round picks in a dynasty league because I just don't like him anymore. You know as soon as you've done that, he's gonna start oh, cooking next Russ week. Is, Russ is gonna put yeah. up thirty six points and yeah. meanwhile I'm starting Tom Brady, so what are you gonna do? I love all the videos, by the way, of I I tweeted one the other day of <laughs> the Broncos offense and it was an F one car that just had the two wheels pop off at the same time and slide into the gravel pit. It's hilarious. All right, it's two fifty four here on the Blitz eleven seventy. You can go to our website, theblitztulsa.com, right now, slash pumpkin, for an opportunity for you to get a family four-pack of fun passes to Pumpkin Town, Matt. Corn maze, grain train, petting zoo, and much, much more. This is going to end at the end of this week, right? So the 23rd, it's your last opportunity. Want to make sure that you take advantage of it now. Theblitztulsa.com, slash pumpkin. And you could be on your way to 61st and Garnett with Pumpkin Town Farms. We'll take a time out, come back. Colby's going to join us a little bit later today. So the Blitz mix will not officially kick off till around 3.30-ish. But we've got more when we come back after this timeout.